The brilliant horizon is expansive and breathtaking. We take a moment to pause and reflect on the future ahead of us. We see it's filled with infinite possibilities. It does require us to take the first step of faith to move forward. The journey calls to an irresistible drawing of desire deep in your soul, beckoning you ever forward. We're filled with hope and possibility. You must deeply engage in your faith to propel you into inspired action. Come engage with Jennifer Duza and Karen Smith as they lead, encourage, and inspire you through life's pivotal choices. We will focus on leadership, mindset, business, entrepreneurship, faith, abundance, and building your dreams. Jennifer and Karen's personal stories will make you think, laugh, be inspired, deepen your faith, and help you fulfill your own God-given callings. The world needs your gifts and talents. They lie ahead on your brilliant horizon. Welcome to today's episode. Hello, friends. Welcome to Brilliant Horizons. We are delighted to have you here. I'm Jennifer Duza, and joining me is Karen Smith. Hello. Well, hello, Jennifer Duza. How are you? I'm good. We have a fabulous episode today because we are talking about dun, 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 money. And specifically, we are talking about Dave Ramsey's money principles, specifically the seven baby steps today. Before all of those who have studied Dave for a while or maybe taken Financial Peace University, which is also called FPU, totally decide to stop listening to this episode, I want you to intentionally be present and stay engaged because I am a Dave Ramsey master financial coach. And I'm going to give you some inside scoop on a few things you may not have heard before. And I I love it. (laughs) And I want to challenge you guys, especially as current entrepreneurs and business owners, but also future entrepreneurs that you engage in this information and principles today through the lens of this is going to be something that supercharges you towards achieving your actual goals as an entrepreneur or a business owner. And if you are not ready to launch your business yet, think about these and where you are at personally, not just in your business, but personally, so that you can be prepared to launch that business when you do have that next great idea. It's so important because One of the biggest reasons that I see in my own coaching practice, or even when I'm working with businesses who are currently up and running, they ignored a lot of these principles when they first started, or they now are going back and trying to correct these. Many of you may have heard about the seven baby steps for your personal lives. And you might say, well, how does this apply to my business life? But they actually work together in both realms. And so today we're going to give you a little inside scoop on how to apply these, a little bit more of the why behind why Dave has these particular ones, and just some good takeaways that you can actually start implementing now in your own life and business. So Mm -hmm. come join us today. We are so excited. All right, Karen, let's jump into step number one, save $1,000 for your starter emergency fund. Oh, I love this. Okay. How many of you right now just took a big gulp, like a thousand dollars. You're like, Karen, I couldn't even make my bills last month for my business or my personal life. How in the world am I going to come up with a thousand dollars? And why the heck is it a thousand dollars? Why is it a hundred dollars? The main reason that Dave came up with this thousand dollars for the starter emergency fund is And that why this is the first baby step is because in your journey to become debt-free or more financially stable, somebody called Murphy, 
it's not my kitty cat, by the way, but it's called Murphy's Law, is going to show up in your journey. And right now, um, over 50 to 60% of Americans can't even go paycheck to paycheck. If you're in the middle of trying to save and get out of debt, what happens when Murphy shows up and you have a flat tire or your hot water heater goes out, or you got to take your kid to urgent care? And you need some money all of a sudden. Well, that's going to totally get you back into that debt cycle again. And so that's why Dave encourages you to start with saving up $1,000 for your starter emergency fund. That way, as you're on your journey to pay off all your debt and get financially free, if the hot water heater actually goes out, you don't have to panic or put it on your credit card. You just pull that money out of your emergency fund and off you go. Now, Starbucks is not an emergency. Uh, <laughs> yes, it is some days, Karen. <laughs> I was going to say, it depends on how coffee starved you are. No, it means you get up five minutes earlier and you make yourself a cup of coffee at home. Right. Exactly. So, so Jennifer, tell me a little bit, like when you guys were first working on your emergency fund, how did you feel when you finally got your emergency fund in place? Gosh, it it feels great. And let me just tell you this. I, I don't even know if I've told you this, Karen, I was driving down the interstate the other day and had just filled up my tank with gas, which as we know, is not cheap these days. And I'm changing lanes. And you know, when you're behind a car and you go to change lanes and you either there's something in the road or something's going on in the other lane, but because there's a car in front of you and you're pulling out behind this car, you don't see it. I'm on the interstate, just moving right along with traffic. And I pull over into the next lane. And just as I pull over, there's something in the road. And because I'm mid lane, I didn't have enough time to swerve and miss it without crashing, brace myself ready to hit this. And what it looked like was kind of like the size of a two by four. And it was probably three feet long, maybe. And it looked kind of shiny, kind of metalish. I hit this and it sounded like it hits my tire. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to probably destroyed my tire. Need to pull off here. I'm waiting for, you know, bells and whistles to go off. Nothing is happening, but I do see some mist behind me pretty close to where I was getting off the interstate. So I get off and park and I open my door and hear, oh no, I open my door. What I did was I punctured a hole, a very large hole in my gas tank. (gasps) Yes. And yes, everybody was fine, but I had a big hole in my gas tank. The reason I'm telling you this is if that thousand dollar emergency fund was not there, I would have been scrambling because that gas tank was, I think the bill was like $1,300. So it was a little more than my emergency fund, Mm -hmm. but it's better than what it could have been if I did not have an emergency fund. Absolutely. And that's the thing is, even if you were a little over, a little under finding say $300 is a whole lot easier than finding $1,300. Exactly. And the whole point of having that thousand dollar emergency fund is that's a classic example of how to use it. And then once you've used your emergency fund, then you work at rebuilding that. And I always give people a fun game to play at the very beginning of when they start their personal coaching with me, uh, particularly around this type of work for individuals is I always encourage them 
try to find a thousand dollars worth of stuff to sell out of your house. Cause seriously, people, how much stuff do we have around our house? We don't even use, or also I play the grocery, what I call the grocery game, where I encourage them to see how many days in a row they can avoid going to the grocery store. And just what you'll save in doing that often gives you your thousand dollar emergency fund faster than you can imagine. For those of you who do not have an idea of how you would make this happen, just start. Even if every day you took the change left over from the coffee you bought at Starbucks and put it in a jar, really quickly it'll add up. Or maybe if you, instead of going for coffee five days a week, you go four days or three days. It's amazing where you will find that. I even had one couple for their wedding. They asked people to bring money instead of gifts because they wanted to fund their thousand dollar emergency fund. So go for it. Now, for those of you who are in business, you also need an emergency fund. This looks very different than personal emergency fund because you have to look at some factors like cash flow or employees or payments and things like that. But if you don't have a business emergency fund, you need to work on getting that started. That's some of the coaching I do for my businesses. So if you guys want further information on that, you can always connect with me for some business coaching. Having an emergency fund is super, super important. What I also want to point out that Dave doesn't necessarily always touch on, but you guys know I teach both the practical pieces of money as well as the energy of money. And the thing is in the energetic space around this emergency fund is it diffuses fear that is held up in so many emergencies and it calms you down enough where your rational mind can kick back in. And it also sends a message to your money that you are prepared and adults are prepared. They don't wait until things blow up to deal with them. Well, and when you are signing the fronts of paychecks, it makes a big difference because you realize it's not just you scrambling to put food on the table, but now you are jeopardizing someone else putting food on the table for their family. So have that emergency fund for your business is critical. And depending on what types of machinery you may be having in your business, Mm -hmm. that could be that changing in that emergency fund, that emergency fund just now went from a thousand dollars to maybe $20,000 right. in your emergency fund. Absolutely. And business emergency funds are quite different in terms of the number, but just getting started. And, you know, I think about in the farming and ranching space that I am in so many times, we don't know that we're going to have a drought and, you know, just having enough money set aside to buy two or three extra semi loads of hay can mean the difference between your cattle making a certain level at market or not. And so as a business, like really think about the things that are out of your control that you just need a little bit of help for. And this will become one of the most indispensable pieces of your business and your personal life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to mention too, that your business and your personal finances should be separate from each other. That can be sometimes a fuzzy line that many entrepreneurs struggle to separate, but as soon as you can separate them, you should just for business purposes, tax purposes, and your own peace of mind. (laughs) Absolutely. Let's go into step number two, pay off all debt, except the house using the debt snowball. So Karen, what would that look like? Of course, this is a principle for personal. What does that look like when we say accept the house in the seven baby steps for entrepreneurs? 
Right. So the why between behind this one is, is that um, you are a slave to debt and it influences your future. It influences your uh, current situation. And so we want to get you out from under that because your dreams and the life you want to live can't flourish and come to fruition if you're just covered in debt. Now, the reason we say not the house is the house is an actual asset. For those of you who are Robert Kiyosaki fans, you would argue that that's not an asset. I get you. I'm I'm on board with him as well, but this is a different conversation today with Dave's principles. So hang with me there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the reason is, is that houses, you've got a little bit longer to pay off and there's a different strategy for those. The important thing to remember about the debt snowball is, is that we want to pay off things like credit cards, student loans, medical debt, car loans. This is the stuff that just drags you down that you're just, you know, like we talk about the donut commercial, gotta go to make the donuts. (laughs) You know, it drains all the joy out of you. It just, you're, it just hangs over you. And in the energetic space, having that dark cloud kind of hang over you, it influences your relationships. It influences your dreams, the goals that you have your daily joy, your level of thinking about possibilities. And so you really, really want to work on getting rid of that. And so for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with how the debt snowball works, basically you take all of your debts or money that you owe people other than your house and you list them by the size. So maybe your student loan, you owe 30,000, your medical debt is 10,000, your credit cards are 8,000 and your car loan is 5,000. You would list them all highest to lowest on the dollar amount. We don't worry about the interest rate because paying off debt is a behavior issue, not a money issue. Because remember, money is a reflection of who you are and how you follow, how you believe about it and how you, how you engage with it in real life. And so if it was about interest rates, nobody would have debt, but it's about behavior, which is why we all have debt. (laughs) Or for those of us who have walked this journey and gotten out of debt. And so you start with that. Then as you are working on paying that off, say you do your basic budget and you've got $200 left in your budget each month to put towards all your debt. And so you make the minimums, like you'd make the minimum on your student loan, your medical debt and your credit card. And maybe that's a hundred dollars. Well, then you would put the remainder of that money towards the car loan and you work to quickly pay off the car. Then once the car's paid off, everything that you were throwing at the car, then you start putting at your credit card bill. And it basically creates this snowball of paying off debt. And it's actually pretty energizing and fun. I have clients all the time who call me and they're just like, woohoo, we just paid off this. And that means next month we can put an extra $200 there. And that is where the behavior solidifies because it feels so good to not have that particular debt hanging over your head. If you're struggling to get started and understand how that debt snowball works, you know, Dave's got a lot of great articles on that, or you can take Financial Peace University, or if you want, you know, private sessions with me, I have a lot of people who coach privately with me. We can help you with that, but you can do this without paying a coach. You can, it's pretty simple. The hardest part about the debt snowball is sticking with it and you get your first win. And so that's again, why we tell people start with that little like $50 debt or $700 debt, like work at getting that. And eventually people kind of catch this fire or this energy and they'll get a second 
second job or they'll sell some stuff out of their house or have a garage sale and they take all of that money and they put it towards their first debt or their second debt and we get all of that paid off. And then, then once all of your debt snowball is covered, then we can move on to the next step. So I'll give you an example of my, in my own life of paying off um, the debt snowball. So I was pretty fortunate. I was raised in a, in a household where um, we didn't really take on a lot of debt because we understood the power of that. But like anyone, when I left home, um, you know, I went to college, you know, had cars, different things like that. And so I did have a little bit of debt. Um, when I started the debt snowball, um, I was employed. So I was making, you know, I had an income but I had a little bit left from paying off my master's degree and I had my, tr my truck payment and I didn't really have any credit card debt or anything like that. Um, I was fortunate to grow up in a family where we really just didn't use credit cards. I really was, how do I pay off this, this master's degree? You know, I had about 6,000 left. And to me, it seemed kind of daunting because I already was spending everything I made every month on bills. Like, how do I get started on this? But I just started realizing I was spending money on things that weren't really returning anything to me anyway. So instead of eating out maybe four days a week, I ate out two days a week and started putting that extra money through that. Or when I got a raise and a little bit of a bonus, I put that towards that. And actually pretty quickly, I ended up paying that off. And boy, does it feel good. Let me tell you, not having student loan debt is an amazing feeling. So for those of you who are out there who are still struggling with that, I would just encourage you to just keep plugging along at it. It can be done. And then I moved on to my paying off my truck. And it was a pretty large bill, but I knew I could do it. And I ended up getting a really nice bonus that year. And I was able to put most of that towards that. And boy, let me tell you, when I got that title in the mail, that was all paid off, whew, man, that was six years ago. And I still have that same vehicle. And in terms of moving into being an entrepreneur, knowing I did not have to make a car payment every month has been remarkable in the opportunities that I've been able to actually take advantage of because I don't have to figure out how to make a $500 a month car payment. So, yeah. you know, that's just my personal story. I'm sure Jennifer, you've had a, an example of paying off a debt and it just feels amazing to do that. Yeah. Such a great feeling. All right. Well, let's jump into step number three, save three to six months of expenses in a fully funded emergency fund. Okay. Before the rest of you freak out when you hear this thinking, I can't even save a thousand dollars. Uh, so the why behind this one is that this is going to add so much relief to your marriage. So for guys out there, if you're listening, this is going to be a huge love language to your wives <laughs> of having this kind of emergency fund. Now, once you've paid off your debt snowball, then what you do is you take all that extra money that you were putting towards paying off your debt and you build your fully funded emergency fund. So how you calculate what this looks like is we'll just say if your take-home pay is $5,000 a month, this is your after taxes take-home, then three months would be 15,000 and six months would be 30,000. Now, at first that might be like, oh my gosh, that seems like a lot of money. How am I ever going to save that? But if you've just come from paying off thousands of dollars of student loans or vehicle stuff, you're going to be surprised at how quickly, if you're focused on it, that you can actually pay for this. For those of you guys who are, say, have stable, ready employment, you probably can be fine at three months. For those of you who are considering leaving a, a role to become an entrepreneur, I would definitely err on the side of having six months to a year saved. 
because when you're an entrepreneur getting started and getting a cash flow, sometimes that can take two or three years to get going. And so it's really something you want to consider. For those of you who are running businesses, an emergency fund for a business um, looks a little bit different. You focus more on cash flow than you do necessarily on an emergency fund of this size. And again, you know, if you want some some help on figuring out what that looks like, just um, reach out to me and we can work on that with you. But this is what's going to really give you some peace of mind when you go through some hard times. I had a client this past year, they went through some pretty hard times with um, 2020. And because of their fully funded emergency fund, they were able to successfully help a child going through some difficult times, survive a medical emergency themselves, and also a loss of income because their job changed with COVID. And because of this emergency fund, they were able to just cover the basics. Yeah. It meant they couldn't go out to eat or do some things, but they also never missed a house payment or, or other challenges that they had. And they were able to help one of their family members too. And so this became just a really big blessing to them. So you definitely want to have this. And I can tell you from my own personal experience of doing this before I left to be an entrepreneur really has saved my bacon over and over and over. (laughs) Karen, let's jump into four invest 15% of your household income into retirement. Mm -hmm. Yep. So this is where things can be really exciting in your money journey. This is where you get to use your greatest wealth building tool, and that's your income. This is going to look a little different if you're an entrepreneur versus um, say you're working in corporate America and you have this. The other thing is, is You don't start this until you've got all your debt paid off. This point can kind of be contentious, but as Dave explains it, you want to get your debt paid off because your debt is making you a slave and your income gives you freedom. So we want to put all of your effort into getting rid of your debt first before we start the investing. Now you could split hairs and say, Hey, my company offers a certain amount of match on my 401k, or I need to take some money out for taxes on that piece. Not going to split hairs with you over that, but you have to understand that the baby steps are built for people who are so massively in debt that they are sabotaging their literal future with the heaviness of that debt. And the whole point is you got to get out of debt because once you get out of debt, And you think about this. I remember the first month I was fully out of debt. I literally had like an extra thousand dollars in my budget where I could just start putting it towards something I actually wanted to do. And when you think about having all, like think about all the debt you guys have right now. And if you didn't have to make all those payments, you would find, you know, three to $3,000 a month that would free up. And when you have that money, that income of your own back to actually now start making money with, whether it be in the stock market or uh, whatever, whether you choose property or whatever you want to invest in, you can really get on a very quick path of growth. And that feels really good. The other reason why we tell you to focus on your own retirement before the next step, which is saving for your kids' colleges is you are responsible for your retirement, not your business and not your job and not your children. I'm telling you right now, if you think your children are responsible for your retirement, you are wrong. It is not their responsibility. Your retirement is your responsibility, not the government's, not your family, not your business and not your children. So this is a really important step that you take this Uh, when you're on an airplane. They always tell you to put your own oxygen mask on before you help someone else. 
And that's absolutely true when it comes to funding your own retirement. You would not believe how many people come across my coaching practice who have nothing saved for retirement. And I can also tell you, having worked on closing my family's estate and some things in the past, you know, year, you would not believe how having money in the bank saved for retirement completely transforms your children's ability to care for you and, or to help you with your care or your own care or options that you have. It's completely transformative. You cannot miss the importance of this step. So make sure that you're doing this one well before you fund anything for your children's college. Your children will survive. (laughs) Karen, if someone has not started this one, at what age do you suggest that they start saving for retirement? You know, I'm a huge proponent of saving for a couple of reasons, because first of all, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. We could do a whole episode just on that. Um, So anything you can save really matters just because it, it always pays you back, which is great. If you really haven't started saving for retirement, just start now. I don't care if you're 40, 50, or 60, anything that you do matters. Um, but still get out of debt first, because once you get out of debt, then we have more to work with. Your income is your greatest wealth building tool that you personally have access to. And so do everything you can to support that. Um, but any, even if you haven't started and you're in your forties, just start now, anything is better than nothing and compound interest will kick in and help. So give, give that eighth wonder of the world, a chance to work for you. Yeah. All right. So we've touched on this one a couple of times already, uh, just briefly in passing, talking about saving for your child's college fund. And this is number five. Yes. And so the reason this one comes after investing, we just chatted about what I will say to you guys is, is that Dave um, put this one in here because so many people feel an obligation to pay for their children's college or greater education. What I want you guys to hear is that you're not obligated to do that. If that is a personal choice that your family makes, then that's fine. But this, there is no unwritten rule. There's nothing in the scriptures that say you have to pay for your kid's college fund. You know, it really is something that you choose to do. What I will tell you is, is that like my parents couldn't pay for my college. um, And, you know, we were able to get scholarships and a few loans and things like that. I would just really encourage you guys help your kids focus on getting scholarships. There are hundreds of millions of dollars in scholarships that go unclaimed every single year, simply because nobody applied for them. And they're everywhere. There's all kinds of different scholarships. So make that as much of a focus for your kids as, as you saving some money for that. I'm not saying don't save for your college kids college, but if you are finding that you're sacrificing paying off debt or investing for your own retirement, you're getting the steps out of order. There's a reason that Dave has these in order. It's because it maximizes the return to you and the speed at which you build wealth. And so trust the process. He's got a lot of years doing this on that particular piece. And your kids are going to be okay, whether they go to a trade school or a four-year college or whatever they choose to do they'll be okay. One thing I wanted to add on that, Karen, is if your children want to go to college, this is something that they should be engaged in this with you. And the reason is they take a stake in this. It is their education. It's not your education. It's their education. And it is going to form how they respect that education. 
if they go to college and they think I'm going to join a fraternity or sorority and I'm going to party my first year and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. You know, they may choose to do that. But when they realize that I just threw away $10,000 or $20,000, whatever it might be, you know, it's totally different when mom and dad lose $20,000. But when you personally lose $10,000 or $20,000, that hurts. It does. Have them just as invested in this as you are. Plus, if they get a scholarship that is renewable every single year based on their grades, they know they've got that input. We talk a lot about people have skin in the game. This is their skin in the game. This is their skin in real adult life and participating in that adult life. That is such a key point. If you don't have skin in the game, you will not make a committed decision like you will otherwise. And you can have your kids start saving for college when they're really young. Like maybe grandma and grandpa want to put some money in a 529 college savings, or you encourage your kids as they earn money at summer jobs and different things that they want to put some away as well. Like it's a great way to start building some habits for them. And if they are part of the process, they will value it way more than that. I know one of my scholarships that I had was all grades based and boy, and I had to keep a pretty high GPA to keep it. And it was, it totally motivated me to do a good job. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you talk about self-discipline and learning that lesson early. That is a great way to do that. My daughter and I were watching her school's graduation and they announced how many scholarships, the, the funded amount of scholarship money given to that senior class. So of course we grab the calculator and, and divide that amongst each student And, you know, my daughter looked at me and said, each student basically got a full ride to college. And I said, yeah, that's huge. So, you know, even engaging in that kind of activity and realizing, wow, that's huge. Or, you know, maybe you don't have the funds to go to college, but your son or daughter is looking at ROTC. That's a great avenue. Maybe they just don't know what they want to do. And instead of going to college and maybe feeling like they're just wasting that money, maybe they really want to go to a trade school. And I think that's something our education system is missing on is not encouraging more students to go and take a trade school uh, rather than college because not everybody is set to go to college. Not everybody wants to go to college. Such an important point. And you and I have, have talked about this many times because we both have different types of education and where we learn things. And Honestly, these days, like maybe 20 years ago, I would have fully backed going to college for more, most people. And I've changed my position on that. I don't think it's right for everyone. I also think that many colleges have made themselves irrelevant in the real world, what actually needs to be done. And I think even we saw a lot of that play out last year with COVID where the reality is, is that a lot of jobs, you don't need a college education, or why should you spend $40,000 a year for something that really doesn't even pay that back to you? I personally did a lot of my college education at community colleges. So the cost was, you know, like a 10th of what you would pay for other places. And I personally love trade schools. There are some amazing opportunities out there. In fact, you guys might know, have heard of Mike Rowe. He's does the dirty jobs and deadliest catch. He has a micro works foundation that they give amazing scholarships for trade schools. And again, the money is out there if you are willing to look for it. And 
also just give yourself the benefit of the doubt when it comes to higher education. The important thing is to never lose your sense of curiosity and learning. Some of the smartest people I've ever worked with never went to college or they got their education in a completely different way. Maybe they went into the military. Maybe they were at trade school. Maybe they took a certificate. I I think about when I took a one-year coaching program through the Proctor Gallagher Institute, I learned more in that one year than I probably did in three years of, of college. And there's been times where I've been like, man, should I have actually ever really gone to college? I've learned more in some of these certificate programs or specific types of programs than I did going to college. And so don't feel like this needs to be something specifically that you do. It's more engage your kids in it and keep your options open. There's a great book called Debt Free Degree mm-hmm. by Anthony O'Neill. And that is such a great book. Even though a lot of it I've, I've already uh, worked with or looked at, but it still was just a great reminder that there are other avenues to go into your education. So if you are or have a child, this is something you can read even if you have you know, someone in preschool. Mm-hmm. Uh, just reading it now and just being prepared and, and ahead of the game and preparing for your child's college fund. It's totally possible to graduate debt-free. I did it and many other people do. And I will mm-hmm. tell you, it is life-changing to graduate debt-free completely. Mm-hmm. All right, number six, pay off your home early. Ooh, I love that. So it's finally in the step number six, where you get to pay your home off earlier. Now, if you have kids that aren't going to school or you don't have children, you just move from step four to step six and paying off your home early. If you actually stopped and looked at how much interest that you pay on your home over a 30 year mortgage, you would be blown away by the amount of money that you spend. In fact, on the first several years of your loan, like 90% of your check that you send in every month, um, it goes to the interest and versus the house instead of the principal. So um, it's pretty eye-opening if you sit down and actually look at where the money's going. I always encourage people, go ahead and pay your home off early if you can, because again, you are building an asset there that's gonna pay you back eventually. Also, once you're paying off that debt, you end up, then you can put that money into something that's earning a higher rate of return, or you can use it to fund a dream you have or a business. Now, this is where if you are a financial planner or a mortgage consultant, this is where they always raise their hand to me. They're like, well, you shouldn't pay off your your house. Like if mortgage rates are at 4% and the stock market's paying 6%, you should invest in the stock market instead of paying off your house. Again, if this was only about the numbers, that would be a fair argument. But you have to remember when people are in debt, it is about behavior. And for the average person who has a home loan, the biggest thing they are worried about if they were to lose their job, say during a downturn or something like COVID is where are they going to live and how are they going to provide for their family? And we call it the four walls. So this again is about behavior and securing a home for yourself. So no disrespect to financial planners or for mortgage brokers by the math, they are right, but that's not where people live in this reality. When there are people who are in this country, basically 80% of people live paycheck to paycheck, knowing that your home is paid for 
and is not going to go anywhere if you lose your job. I mean, yes, you're going to still have maintenance and taxes. That is why we suggest paying off your home early. Now, if you know you're not going to be in that house more than a couple of years, I don't suggest paying it off early. But if you really know that's where you're going to be, go ahead and make that extra principal. When you send that in every month, make sure that you designate on your form that it is for principal so they don't just put it towards interest first. And then also check your contract and make sure there's no prepayment penalties. Some companies, if you pay your house off early, they will penalize you a little bit. Just check that to make sure it'll be in your documentation or you can call the company who holds your mortgage to see that. But again, once you pay off your home, then you can turn around and take all of that money. You can invest it in the stock market. You can invest in another property, whatever that you want to do. We do suggest to people that until you have paid off your own home that you not invest in other properties. Again, for those of you who are listening, I get it. I'm a real estate investor as well. So there's a different strategy once you've paid off debt and you're investing in properties. That's for another episode. Just file that away, but go ahead and pay off your home. And then just that gives such a sense of security that you've got that ready to go. All right. Step seven, build wealth and give. Ah, this is the part where all we do all this hard work to get to this one thing, because the amazing thing about um, building wealth is your ability to transform not only your own life, but to really then engage in the giving to the, the causes that matter most to you. And this is such a powerful place to be, to be able to do that. I don't know about you guys, but I really like it when I give, get to give money away. It's such a transformative feeling. So hang in there, be willing to build the wealth. Again, you have to take care of your own household first, but once you've reached that point and then you're ready to give, it is really, really exciting place to be. This is my favorite step. Just love it. Getting there and, and being able to, to do these things would fills my cup. It does. Um, And this is why I always tell people why The whole point of building great wealth and abundance is because it really spills out and influences everything in our life for good. And a lot of times Christians will be like, oh, I can't build wealth. That's selfish. Or, well, I have my basic needs covered and I shouldn't want any more. You know, it's more spiritual to be poor. And it's not. The reality is, is you want to be wealthy because of all the good you can do in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we don't, why should all the bad people have the money? You know, (laughs) that's what I tell people. It's like, you know, if you see someone who is blessing others and is just creating so much good in the world, you want those people to have money to be able to share with others. And so as you get to this stage, don't resist building wealth. I I teach a course on the energy of money and how to bring in abundance and wealth. And, and it's such a gift in your life. So don't resist that. Allow that to happen in your life. Depending on your your partner and, and who you're building with this with, or maybe you don't have a partner, maybe this is just all on your own. <laughs> and that's even better because then you get to decide whether you, what you build on and, and what you give to. I do have a husband, so it's, <laughs> he does more building and I give more giving. <laughs> <laughs> you make a good team then. <laughs> yeah. He builds, I give. <laughs> Actually, we it. both give, but yeah, it, it's just funny to, uh, to look at the differences in how we both manage money. And I think by having these seven baby steps, it has opened that door of conversation for us to, to go ahead and, and talk about money and say, are we on the same team or are we on opposing teams? Right. 
And this is what I always find whenever I teach Dave's principles. And like I mentioned before, yes, I am a Dave Ramsey master financial coach, but I also teach about, you know, your belief systems about money and the energy around money and the stories we tell ourselves and how to bring in abundance, because it's all of those things come up as you work through these baby steps. And if you don't acknowledge that those things, you can be on different pages with your money, with your spouse, or even in your own family, different family members will want to give money to a different charity or a different church than someone else. And you've got to have those conversations and it actually will bring you closer as a couple and actually increase the rate at which you're able to give and bless others. I will tell you too, that my husband and I were raised very differently when it came to money. Mm-hmm. And so it's taken a while for us to get on the same team when it comes to this. But now that we are, there is a better understanding of how we partner and move forward, how we build that retirement and why that's important. And after, you know, going through things with my parents and seeing how important that that retirement nest egg is for us and realizing we don't want our children to have to do certain things for us. We want to be able to take care of ourselves when we get older and we want them to enjoy their lives and their families. And hopefully we're part of that. Hopefully they they want to continue to spend time with us, but it definitely a a plus when you have that built and your children aren't coming into feeling like they have to do something. Yes, it does take couples a while to get on the same page. We are all raised with very different money beliefs and, and hangups and perceptions. And, and that can come from how you're raised. It can be how you saw money played out in your life or in your parents' life, or even all the unspokens around money that happen. And yet, once you do find a common story and you build off of that, you can make really good progress in a very short amount of time. And that also shows your children how money can be a blessing to you and can be used in a really powerful way, or it really can help you shore up things where you're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't know my parents didn't have anything saved for retirement. What We can't do that same thing in our own life. I see it every day when I help people both in businesses and in their personal life. And this is the same, whether you're an entrepreneur or you have a business as well is you do want to get rid of, of debts and you want to build wealth for your business because that adds to the longevity of the business, which adds to the stability of your community. You know, think about a company, a Ford motor company, you know, they've been in business for well over a hundred years. And you think about how, as the company manages their finances and their ability to be open in the economy. Like I always remember them not taking a bailout during 2008 when all the other car companies did. And that really spoke about the function of their finances at that time. And so regardless of what your business does, it's important that your business be a stable part of the future economy of your town. And by keeping your debt lower. And yes, there's a whole bunch of different things to consider in a business with tax deductions and equipment financing and things. Um, But also when a business reaches a certain point where they can give to their community, then it's just a beautiful thing to be able to participate in that. I come from the agriculture world. And so every year at County Fair, I love to see the businesses come to buy the kids animals. And, you know, remember a couple of years ago, our grand champion steer went for like a hundred thousand dollars and 
one of the local car dealerships paid that. And that's life-changing money to that kid that that's a college fund right there. And, but for that business to be able to give back to the community, and I need to correct myself. I, I hate saying give back because you haven't, you don't need to give back. You just need to use the word give. You have not taken anything from anyone. So make sure you use the word I'm giving, not giving back. There's a subtle energetic tie that you don't want to be engaged in. You just want to be able to give freely of your time and talents and wealth to your community around you, but you don't need to give back. You have not taken anything from someone. Just watch that piece really carefully when you say those words. Well, perfect, Karen. I love this piece. I enjoy every time I am able to touch this a little bit. I did not go through financial planning university. Um, I just started listening to Dave Ramsey. I listened to his podcast. I listened to him on Sirius XM. I think that's where I first discovered him. I would listen to it in the car and, you know, soon I would hear my kids saying certain things. I think I've shared that before. Um, like, oh, Dave wouldn't be happy with that, you know, and they're, they're referring to him like they know him personally. So I think it's pretty funny when it's changed. If you want to make a change, be the change. Mm -hmm. And that's where I feel like I have stopped a cycle of living like an ostrich with my head in the sand when it comes Mm -hmm. to money. Hopefully I've raised smart children that will go into the world smart about money, as well. And yes, things happen. They happen to all of us, but hopefully I've done my part when it comes to that. And I would just encourage our listeners, like whether you're super familiar with these principles or you haven't ever heard these before, just start. Start today working on your money because it matters. And for those of you who particularly have the dream of being an entrepreneur or you are an entrepreneur, this is life-changing and business-changing stuff. So give yourself this investment in your dreams. It absolutely matters. And if you ever are looking for personal coaching around your finances or your business needing help, I am available. So reach out to me. There is a reason that they are called baby steps. They're not, you know, jump from ledge to ledge steps. They are baby steps and you are taking baby steps to, to learn this and accomplish this. So give yourself some grace when it comes to practicing this as well. Absolutely. And that's a great point. There's a reason they're broken down and this is how you eat an elephant one bite at a time. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today. If you are looking for more information about FPU or need a wealth coach, please contact Karen. She is wonderful about this. Uh, She is a master at this. And I know you're going to love her just as much as I do. All right, everybody, have a great week and we look forward to talking to you again soon. Take care. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. We hope you found value in what you heard today. Drop us a note to let us know your favorite takeaway or application from today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any episodes. While you're there, be sure to leave us a review. And as always, if you're ready to grow and advance your own God-given callings, contact Jennifer or Karen for personalized coaching. Don't let your dream go one more day without living it out.